0: seated. We now worship our God by hearing his word. If you have your Bibles with you, please open with me in Genesis chapter 4, verses 2 to 8, and then we will turn to Hebrews 11, verse 4. Genesis chapter 4 let me start from verse 1 then we will read through verse 8 hear now God's word now Adam knew Eve his wife and she conceived and bore Cain saying I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord and again she bore his brother Abel Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, and killed him. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4 says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, He still speaks. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, as we open your word this morning, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, give us. And what we are not, make us. May the Holy Spirit speak to us in a very... Special and personal way, and may the Holy Spirit speak to us as a congregation. This we ask and pray in Jesus' name, Amen. We all know the late Dr. Arcee Sproul. Um, He was asked this silly question when he was still alive What would you put on your headstone when you die? That's a good question. Uh, RC, being RC, responded with a sense of humor and said, I told you I was sick. Well, one way or another, we probably have thought about what legacy we will leave on earth for our children, for our grandchildren, for our church, our ministry, for our family. Now, a survey was conducted um, on elderly people in a retirement home. They were asked one very good question. If you're given a chance to live your life all over again, what would you do differently? Fifty people were asked two answers, top answers. Number one, they said, I would reflect more. That's a good answer. Uh, that's a good question and answer even for a 35 year old like me the second answer was I would do more things that will live on even after I am gone that is even better but we know beloved congregation that sinners outside of Christ even if given a chance to live their lives all over again without a doubt will commit the same mistakes and fall into the same foolishness repeatedly. But there is a better way to reflect upon our life now and strive to do more things that will live on even after we are gone. And that is to live by faith. But with that what does that even mean? Living by faith. It's almost like a template we often use as Christians To describe who we are and what we strive to do. I live by faith. But how do we concretely live by faith? What do we mean by that? And in our text this morning, we will look at Abel's faith in God, which will help us answer our question. But our text also tells us of Cain's folly. And that's an important point to consider. It's always helpful to describe Living by faith by looking at the, the negative, right? Or what it does not look like. And the question for us is how do we imitate the fate of Abel and avoid the folly of Cain? I divided our study into two main points. And I apologize, I was not able to send the outlines, but I will be mentioning them this morning. So if you are taking notes, I have two points. And I have key words for kids and not kids. First point is we give an acceptable sacrifice to God. The key words are worship and obedience. It's the first point we give an acceptable sacrifice to God. The key words worship and obedience. The second point we go and speak forth the glorious gospel of Christ. Keywords word and deed word and deed. So point number one, we give an acceptable sacrifice to God, worship and obedience. Hebrews chapter 4a, it says, By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts. Now returning to Our initial question How do we offer God an acceptable sacrifice like Abel? The simple answer would be by faith. But what does it mean to offer by faith? Questions might arise and will go like, you know, was the reason why Cain's offering not accepted because he did not offer it by faith? Or was the difference between their offerings factored and God accepting one over another? The answer could be both. They are not mutually exclusive. The offerer and the offering were important factors. It is important to distinguish them, but they are not, again, mutually exclusive. We read that in our passage, Genesis four, four B and 5a. It says, And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, verse 5, But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. Now, The more common explanation that we hear whenever this story is taught, usually, at least personally, in Sunday school materials, is that Abel did it by faith And Cain did not. Considering these options of interpretations, we could ask a number of hypothetical questions, right? For example, would Abel's offering still be accepted if he offered them by faith, but did not bring the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions? What if Abel brought his flock's firstborn And fat portions, but did not offer them by faith. On the other hand, would Cain's offering be accepted only if he brought the first fruit of the ground, and not just the fruit of the ground? Would Cain be regarded if he had faith, even though he did not bring the best of the fruit of the ground? Now, let me propose an approach to the text that deals with what is provided in our passage, but as well as an overview of the theme of God's redemption in history. And I will argue that our offering to God by faith should have two distinct but united characteristics, worship and obedience. I believe that what God did after Adam and Eve sin plays an essential role in interpreting the story of Abel and Cain. The initial result of sin in Adam and Eve was the feeling of shame, right? Which is true for all of us, I suppose. Adam and Eve being religious, if you will, as they were made in the image of God, were to be worshippers. They were created to be worshippers. Their disobedience to God's command resulted from their decision not to worship God when tempted by the serpent. You see, idolatry is the root of all sins. Disobedience to the first of the Ten Commandments leads to the breaking of the rest. And the breaking of any of the Nine Commandments is indicative that you have broken the first commandment already. You shall have no other gods than me. Sin issue is always a worship issue. Notice what Adam and Eve did after sinning. Instead of turning back to God, first commandment, as repentance of their idolatry, they turned to themselves. Right, And because of shame, they found a way to cover up their naked bodies, which did not hold up. Covering up our shame, shamefulness, By our own means, we'll never hold. Because, again, the heart of the issue was the issue of the heart. Even though they've covered their naked bodies, their hearts were still away from the worship of God. What did God do? He slaughtered an animal and used the skin to cover their bodies. That was the first atonement of sin. And it gives us a picture of what God will institute in the Old Covenant and how man is to offer a sacrifice of praise to God. It gives us a vivid picture that blood brings about life. Therefore, I would uh, argue that Adam and Eve receive from God, God being a God of order, they receive instructions of sorts concerning the sacrificial system even before the law was given through Moses. Therefore Abel and Cain's sacrifice of praise was not baseless. God commanded them how he was to be worshiped. This is a classic example of a regulative principle of worship. Abel offering the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions was the proper way to offer A sacrifice of praise to the Lord. And that reveals what kind of heart he had. His worship was vindicated by his obedience. Abel's sacrifice of praise was out of faith because he did what God commanded. Worship and obedience go hand in hand. That is why the text gives us a black and white picture. One offered the best and proper offering by faith and the other with an evil heart, a subpar and man-made offering. The faith of Abel was proven and tested by how he obeyed the catechesis of God. Beloved, living by faith is not walking with our eyes blindfolded. Living by faith is obeying God's word. Living according to God's word. Now another thing to note is that Cain still offered something to God. It's not as if Cain would not offer anything, right? His offering was not commended because he did not obey what we can assume was commanded. Now look at Genesis chapter 4 verses 6 to 7. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why has your face fallen? Take note of this phrase. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. If you do well can also be translated as if you do the right thing. There was a clear catechesis, if you will, from God about how he will be worshipped. If our sacrifice of praise and how we worship God in our lives, both corporately and privately, is solely based on pure hearts, which is what usually is emphasized in terms of the story of Abel and Cain, Abel has a pure heart, Cain has an evil heart. But if it is solely based on pure hearts, then anything goes. Can we truly know our own heart when we offer it to God? Because brothers and sisters, even when we do good and godly things, it's really hard to deal with our own hearts, our motives. Like Cain, we can be offering to God. how can we know our own heart and how much more the heart of others? Pure hearts and pure motives are always evident in how we worship God accordingly and properly. And so we can also say that the offering of Cain was man-made. We can say that he improvised. This shows us the kind of heart he had, which is the same heart his parents had when they first fell into sin. They covered their bodies with fig leaves, thinking they were clever enough to atone for their sins and cover their shame. Beloved congregation, to trust in our flesh is the antithesis of living by faith and offering God a sacrifice of praise. Let us be very discerning. Take for example Cain. He thought he was doing God a favor by bringing what he believed was a good offering. We may be doing good and godly things, but still dishonor God with our hearts and motives and our ways. On the other hand, even when we mean well, even with pure hearts and motives, if the scripture does not warrant our actions and our service to God, we dishonor God. Beloved congregation, all forms of liberalism in the church in general, not only in the reformed churches, started with, it will not hurt us if we try. Then we'll see. Our motives, we know our hearts that we would want to reach out to our community, to our culture. But look at what happened liberalism came into our church. Once we remove a fence on its post without considering why it was put there in the first place, then let us not be surprised if all the fences are eventually seen as unnecessary and are put away. Whether in our personal life, you know how we make decisions, choose career paths, our standards in marriage and relationships, how we raise our children. It is proper to do these things according to God's Word and His wisdom. If you have questions from you know, which you feel there are no direct answers, just plain reading of the Scripture, then talk to your pastor. And talk to your elders. Ask your elders for wisdom. But you see, beloved congregation, there is more to the story of Abel and Cain in the light of God's redemptive plan. There is a benefit in imitating the life of faith of Abel. Yes, that's true. But his death brings more light to how the author of Hebrews wants us to understand what it means to live by faith. Consider this and listen. Abel was the first martyr. He was killed because of his faith. The author of Hebrews tells us, through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. The faith of Abel, both in his offering and his death, Speaks of a better faithful one than him. Whose death speaks of a better word. And he is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the true and better Abel. Hebrews 12.24 tells us. And to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. So brothers and sisters in Christ, our goal as Christians is not primarily to be like Abel. But like Abel, we look to Christ and abide in Him. The Gospel tells us that Jesus is not just an example to follow, like how we imitate the faith of Abel. The Gospel teaches us that even though there are times that we struggle with our faith and with our offering. Jesus' gospel is not only grace for our salvation, but even in our Christian life. The gospel is an encouragement to all of us because in our weaknesses, the gospel reminds us that Christ is our strength. Whenever we do not have the strength to go to the altar of God and worship Him, Christ gives us turn In our foolishness, meaning in our own wisdom, when we rely on our own wisdom, the gospel reminds us that Christ is our wisdom. Even though our offerings fall short, God still treats us like how He treats His beloved Son. Because brothers and sisters, in Christian life, it's not as simple as black and white it's not you are like abel or you are like cain as pastors you know i have a lot of uh heroes pastors you know when i see them in the seminary venema ipema strange i always see them with a glow right imaginary glow but in reality we All have our own weaknesses. On Sunday morning and evening, we preach our hearts out, but on Monday morning, we feel pathetic. But this is the good news. Who among us can be like Abel in his faith and do it consistently? None. But Jesus can. He did, and even better. It is good news that we are judged according to our union with Christ. Regardless of our weaknesses and our shortcomings, our falling short. Therefore, we do not fall to the folly of comparing our offering to God with our neighbors, right? All of us are beggars, helping other beggars to look to Jesus. Abel's faith through the offering of the firstborn of his flock and his spilled blood on the cross Look forward to a better offering, a better firstborn, a better spilled blood, and a better word that speaks life. Abel's blood was crying from the ground for justice because he was a victim, Right? Genesis 4.10 says, And He said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. But Jesus was not a victim. Apostle John tells us in 1 John 3.16, This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down His life for us. Even His death. He is Lord over His death. And as Hebrews 12.2 states, Who for the joy set before Him, endured the cross. Jesus was not a victim. He is the author and perfecter of faith. Jesus speaks a better word than Abel. The death of Abel points us to Christ's sacrificial death. Beloved, we approach God trusting that we have been declared righteous through Christ once and for all offering of Himself. We approach God by faith that not only did Christ's death secure saving grace, but Christ's perfect life also assures us of His sustaining grace. We call that the active obedience of Christ. That Christ's death saved us from our sins, but His perfect life, Him fulfilling the righteousness of the law, and Him interceding at the right hand of the Father, Sees us through in this life as we struggle with sin and strive to live by faith. Cain was supposed to be a good neighbor, but instead, he coveted the favor of God gave. The favor God gave his brother. Our abiding in Christ not only helps us to be faithful with the lot that God entrusted to us. But it, is also, but it also helps us to be good neighbors and help our brothers and sisters when they struggle in their faith, in their offering, in their worship, and in their obedience. Cain could have rejoiced with his brother. Spirituality is not a competition. Living by faith is not a solo mission. It is a church enterprise. All of Christ to us and for us is sheer grace. We approach God's throne of grace not with despair, but with confidence, because Christ's work is perfected and finished. And we share and enjoy all His benefits. Jesus died, He was buried, and rose again from the dead. So sinners like us, who are dead in sin, be made alive in Him. Our offering to God is better than the offering of Abel, to be honest, right? Abel offered dead animals. We offer our lives as living sacrifices. God has accepted Christ's offering of himself in his death on our behalf so that we can live and have our being all for God's glory and for the proclamation of the gospel to our neighbors. And that's our second point. We go and speak forth the glorious gospel. Key words here is word and deed. Hebrews 11:4. c and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Now, again, America is the first country that we've uh, been to outside of the Philippines, and we only have uh, we only have you know stereotypes of what America is. And Americans are, you know, what we watch in Hollywood. Uh, I learned to speak English by listening to rap music and watching Hollywood music, uh, Hollywood movies. And so when I came here, several told me, several people told me that, you know, one of one of the things with Americans, well, this is a stereotype again, okay? Uh, Americans generally generally are not that neighborly. Again, that's a stereotype, and that's not true for all. But other people nuance that stereotype by saying, well, it's hard to be a good neighbor when they are, you know, a mile from your home. Well, I don't know about Wapan, but uh, we've been to Iowa. I did a puppet supply in Iowa. And you really need to take the extra mile to be a good neighbor. (laughs) Pun intended. Now another nuance that other people told me is that Americans actually they present themselves as a neighbor by how they take care of their lawns. Is that true? That their lawns are the reflections of their souls. Dirty lawn, dirty soul, you know. You know. <laughs> it is the outside of the cup that they clean or not clean be sure that your lawns will find you out. Through his lawn, though he died, he still speaks. (laughs) As Christians, we are commanded not just to be worshippers of the one true God, but also to be good neighbors. And to use the imagery, yes, we present our lawns as clean and presentable as possible, but we also invite our neighbors over for supper in the winter and barbecue in the summer and make spiritual conversations. Looking back at our story, I said earlier that Abel was the first martyr. right? His brother executed him, but his faith still speaks. Let us now consider Cain as an example. Not something that we should imitate, but something that gives us constant warning so that with all our might, we can avoid what he did. Remember, God told Cain... Sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain did not listen to God. He let sin rule over him, and so he killed his brother. If Abel was the first martyr, Cain was the first apostate. Consider this. Cain was catechized growing up. He was reformed, reformed. Why? God catechized him. Look at our text. God himself catechized Cain at some point in his life as he received direct words and instructions from God himself. As we see in our text. He was supposed to be a big brother to Abel. But instead he killed him. He was jealous. He was supposed to be the more mature son of Adam and Eve. You know, when Abel was in his Heidelberg catechism class, Cain was almost done with the canons of Dort. But even though he was taught the ways of God, he let sin overpower him. Beloved, we can all agree that we catechize our children and God's people to to teach them the whole counsel of God, primarily. But they must understand that their knowledge of God must translate to two inseparable disciplines inseparable disciplines, glorifying God by mortifying sin and glorifying God by being a good neighbor. The gospel truth is a sure strand to us in our struggle with sin. Jesus triumphed where Cain failed. Jesus is the better elder brother. Jesus is the better neighbor. Cain killed his brother because of his jealousy, but Christ died in our place. In the places of his brothers and sisters. Jesus is the better firstborn. Cain was overcome by sin, but Christ overcame sin. Brothers and sisters, let us abide in Christ. Being united with Christ, our elder brother, we also become good neighbors. Abel's faith speaks, and so should our faith. Our faith. Speaks to those who, like Cain, are dead in their sins. And our faith should speak both in deed and word. Abel's life, his faith, his offering, and even his death, they speak of God's truth, of God's love for him, of God's justice towards sin. And so are our lives, our good deeds. Must also speak of God's grace toward us. Our good deeds are a witness to God's goodness in our lives. The life and ministry of Jesus were filled with his good deeds to others. And so we ask questions how are we doing with our community in terms of the ministry of mercy? Are we helping the poor, the oppressed? the widows, the sick. Let us be good neighbors, brothers and sisters. On the other hand, it is important to remember that words are necessary to be witnesses of the good news of God's grace to the world. Good testimony is not magisterial. Instead, it is ministerial. Right? It helps. Our testimony helps. It's a witness of God's goodness or our life. But it's not magisterial. No one gets saved by looking at your life. Faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. No one gets saved by merely observing good and valid evidence about Christianity. Because sin suppresses the truth. And the only power to change a person's heart is the proclamation of the gospel. On the other hand, it is important to remember that words are necessary. To be saved, one must hear the gospel preached. Christ and Christ crucified, and to receive it by faith. Beloved, our Christian testimony is important. And the goal of the Christian faith is for Christians to conform to the image of Christ. And loving the neighbor in a missional way is ultimately expressed in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. That's more than just an extra mile. You know. From heaven he came and sought us. But remember. Christ did not merely do good deeds toward others. He came to preach the kingdom of God. Believe and repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Be good neighbors. But use words in proclaiming the gospel. Our gospel message of Christ spilled blood on the cross cross for cleansing our sins is a better word than the blood of Abel. Therefore, beloved, preach Christ and Christ crucified to those who are still lost. Preach Christ to your loved ones. Never mind the awkwardness. Right? Their souls are more important than your feelings. Preach Christ in your workplace. Preach Christ to the parents of your children's classmates. Preach Christ to your neighbor. Preach Christ to that person whom you for the longest time want to talk about the gospel. It is a better word than anything else. And may our faith through our deeds speak of God's goodness in us. And may we also with all joy and gladness speak of our faith to our neighbor's proclaiming God's glorious gospel of salvation. Beloved congregation, let us look to Christ and abide in Him. Our worship and obedience to God translate to our witness in word and deed. Whatever community He calls us to be. To those who are listening right now but are not yet believers of Christ, call to Him today. And be saved. He died the death you should have died because of your sins. He lived the life you can never live. So by being united with him, you are raised from the from death to life and transferred from darkness to life. Believe in Jesus and worship and obey him in your life. Let us pray. Loving Father. May You use us, lead us by Your Spirit to witness to our faith in Christ. May what we do build up the fellowship of His church. May how we live speak His word to the world. May what we say testify to our life in Him so that as we know and love Him more, others may come to know and love Him too. O God of love, You have called us into the church, and we thank You for the opportunities to grow in understanding and concern for one another. May our congregations be an incarnation of Your love within and beyond these church doors, wherever there is loneliness, injustice, or misunderstanding, through Christ our head and the Holy Spirit our strength. Father, we also come to your throne of grace in humility, acknowledging that apart from Christ, we are nothing. What we deserve is your wrath and eternal eternal judgment. But we also approach your throne with confidence because we know that Jesus paid it all. May you help us with our struggle with sin. May you help us with our Christian life when we think that We've messed up big time. Remind us of your spilled blood on the cross that cleanses us from the inside out. When we approach your throne,